In today's episode, we're announcing some changes to the Sisterhood of Success moving forward, along with some exciting new opportunities for listeners to get more involved. You'll also want to stay tuned to meet some fabulous women who will become recurring guest co-hosts. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Success, where we discuss meaningful issues that encourage personal growth and promote success, however you define it, helping all women feel more confident, appreciated, and accepted. Together, we are cultivating a community where women can bloom and grow. Hello, and welcome back. I'm your host, Rachel Lom, and I'm a freelance business writer specializing in corporate communications. Longtime listeners will know that I usually co-host this podcast with my sister, Dr. Jody Jedlica. And that's the first change. While Jody will continue to be a part of the podcast whenever possible, the reality is that her new job, along with splitting her living arrangements between Wisconsin and Colorado, have made it very difficult for her to maintain her involvement as a co-host at the same level as before. With Jody limiting her involvement, we discussed options for rebranding and the best way to continue our mission that actually led to some amazing ideas that I want to share with you today. Every change leans into our inclusive definition of sisterhood. If you remember, this whole thing started because our family of four sisters believed we were happier, healthier, more confident, and more resilient because we had each other. Our own little built-in group of cheerleaders and business mastermind where we could test ideas and share our most vulnerable fears and challenges. In short, we believe we are more successful because we have each other, and we wanted to share that feeling with the world. Specifically, we used to constantly have other women say to us, oh, you're so lucky that your sisters are your best friends, or I don't have a sister, or I'm not close to my sister. And we used to joke about making them honorary sisters in our sisterhood. Eventually, we all looked at each other and thought, why not? Why can't we do that? And while all four of us sisters were always included in the podcast, Jody and I really took the reins of planning and recording and making this idea a reality. The Sisterhood of Success podcast is a place where we can discuss meaningful issues that inspire personal growth and promote success, however you define it. Our mission has always been to give everyone the feeling of unconditional love and support and encouragement that we get from our own sisters. We want all women to feel more confident, appreciated, and accepted. Together, we want to cultivate a community where women can bloom and grow. We want to tap into our innate flower power, if you will. So that created an opportunity to more clearly define our message and our mission. The change offered the ability to strengthen our brand, if that's what you want to call it. Having released 40 episodes leading up to this moment enabled us to reflect thoughtfully on what really matters and grew and bloomed ourselves throughout the process. Here's what we came up with. A new tagline of cultivating a community where women can bloom and grow. Let's examine why we're using flowers as a metaphor, (laughs) because let's be honest, we're not very girly or flowery people. So why are flowers such a powerful metaphor? And what does this phrase represent? Flowers, like women, need both rain and sunshine to grow and thrive. They are stronger and healthier when they experience both. Flowers are unique. In fact, part of their beauty is the wide variety. When they bloom, they are becoming the full expression of themselves, whatever that may be. Their magic comes from being themselves. 
Without changing anything at all, flowers can serve a variety of purposes, such as expressing love, providing comfort, offering congratulations and celebration, and offering support for grief. Flowers can also enjoy no purpose at all. We can enjoy them just for existing. Flowers can bloom anywhere under all kinds of conditions, from a carefully tended garden to growing wild in a field to peeking through the cracks of a sidewalk. Flowers are irrepressible and somehow all have personalities all their own. Finally, flowers are impressive and beautiful and inspiring individually, but in many cases, they're even better together. As a group, each individual bloom adds to the greatness and purpose of the whole bouquet. Since our name will rename the same, the Sisterhood of Success, how are we expressing this message and mission in other ways? The first change you may have already noticed. We have changed our artwork to remove the photo of Jody and Rachel to instead show a group of women who represent different experiences and backgrounds linked arm in arm and reaching for more. In fact, the woman on the left is literally reaching for the word success. The group of women are surrounded by flowers as they face away from us, looking toward their futures. Yet one woman has turned back, smiling, inviting you to join, and welcoming you into the community. She represents our commitment to always be mindful of helping others reach the next level as we continue to climb ourselves. The second most obvious change is that I have invited a group of women to serve as recurring guest co-hosts. The second half of this episode is a series of very brief interviews with each co-host to introduce Terry, Kirsten, Beth, and Jackie and let you get to know them each a little better. I think you'll love them as much as I do. Finally, we are introducing a way for listeners to start being part of the conversation and enjoy this feeling of sisterhood in a more tangible and productive way. Beginning in January 2024, we will launch a series of group coaching conversations in a guided mastermind format. These groups are called the Sisterhood Advantage. Our hope is to offer women the opportunity to move from mere listeners to more active honorary sisters, providing a real community that more closely mimics our experience growing up in a family of built-in sisters. Learn more about the Sisterhood Advantage Mastermind Groups on our Facebook page at the Sisterhood of Success and on our website at thesisterhoodofsuccess.com. Groups are forming now, so email info.thesisterhoodofsuccess at gmail.com to get added to the mailing list or use the Contact Us tab on the website. So now that you all know more about the changes we're making, I'd like to introduce you to my little garden of co-hosts moving forward. We want to lean into our definition of sisterhood and include some women who I consider honorary sisters. I'm also hoping that this group of wonderful women will expand our perspectives and represent a wider range of experiences. All right, you guys, I want you to meet one of my best friends in the whole world, Terry McKinley. Welcome. Hi, I'm Terry. I'm the director of admissions at Edgewood High School, and Rachel and I have been friends for probably about 25 years now. Maybe even be more. Yes, we've known each other a long time and been through a lot of stuff together. Yeah. Well, okay. So why did I bring on Terry? First, I love the way that you think. I love the way that you want to always analyze a situation very much like myself. And um, (laughs) you're just always open to trying to figure out the best way to handle something, to learn, to grow, to make the world around you better and happier. I just love that attitude 
And I think it's one of the reasons we've connected over time of just having this optimism and positivity. The other thing that I just really love about your approach to life is you're really close to your siblings, just like I am really close to my siblings. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about your family? Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm one of four children. Um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And then I actually had a younger sister that was born when I was in eighth grade who passed away um, at seven months old. And so that was kind of a unique and challenging situation that we all went through together. But it's created an interesting link as adults to sort of revisit that time and, and have that connection back to somebody who's no longer with us, but was so important to us at such a pivotal time. And I think that might be part of what has given us that connection as adults to being so close with my brothers. You know, we grew up typical I'm middle child and <laughs> both my brothers are very athletic and I was always trying to keep up with the two boys and you know of course they didn't want their sister around and I loved show tunes and they hated them <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're so alike really right but you know the great thing was they actually gave me some things to like aspire to because I wanted to be part of their world and they did include me in that and I, I had some amazing opportunities as a young adult to sort of reconnect with them when my younger brother and I were in college together in the same city and we would drive back home together. I feel like I really got to know him well as an adult for the first time. Oh, yes. That's so awesome. Yeah. And my older brother had um, two boys and I just love being an aunt. And so spent a lot of time with their family because of that. And we really are just fortunate that we now all live in the same city again. And we spend a lot of time together and are really supportive of each other. And I just, I see that other people don't have that same thing that I have with my brothers and you with your sisters. And it's just such a gift to me to have them in my world. So I feel like that is another way that we always connected because we understood that depth of relationship that Mm -hmm. a lot of people haven't had the privilege to really experience. Another thing that I just have always loved about you, Terry, is you really have embraced life wherever you are in that journey and really embrace life specifically as a single woman. I think that you believe that certain things don't have to wait for this perfect right relationship. Things like homeownership or professional development and really going after a career or travel, you know, you've taken on all of those things just like, this is what I want. I want it now. Why should I wait for Mm -hmm. (laughs) something that is an arbitrary reason to wait? And so I I think that that's a really important aspect of who you are. And I think it's a perspective that a lot of people will connect with or at least aspire to from hearing mm-hmm. the way that you've handled that. Yeah, I can honestly say it hasn't been an easy journey well, yeah. <laughs> to get to that mental place. But, you know, I do think that is part of what my family set me up for um, is to have that kind of an attitude of I can do anything that anybody else can do. And if you see something you want in this world, world, you should go for it. But unfortunately, you know, when it comes to relationships, you still only have so much control over that. Right. And so as much as I would love to be married, it just has never happened for me. But you know, I've just always felt like, why should that hold me back from any of these other amazing parts of your life? They don't require a partner to do these. You don't have to have two people to own a home. Or even I know when I was younger, I had a good friend who's like, you go to the movies by yourself. And I was like, well, why not? 
Yeah. I mean, you're sitting in a dark room. What does it matter if you're sitting with somebody you know or not? And the number of times I have ended up connecting with a new person because I was by myself on a trip or, you know, doing a professional development seminar or something, it actually opens you up to other people in the world. While if you go with somebody you already know, you just don't bother to talk to other people. So I've connected with so many people because of that type of attitude. You got to jump out in life and go for it. Try new things. And it it shouldn't have to matter if there's a specific person in your life or not. Right. See what I'm saying? Isn't she amazing? Um, but, (laughs) But I think that that's a confidence that a lot of people don't develop in or outside of a relationship, the ability to kind of hear your own voice, to make your own decisions. And in fact, it can be a layer of, you know, that's something you have to kind of get through um, an obstacle to hear your own voice when you're constantly respecting a partnership. And so I just think that it's a really interesting perspective. You always have such a crystal clear opinion. I don't think I've ever texted you asking you a question where you haven't just responded with your true thought. I mean, like, and immediately, whereas other people sometimes I think hesitate to share their Mm -hmm. opinions, to share their choices, you know, and stuff like that. And it's just such a refreshing part of your personality that I don't even know if you realize. No, I really don't realize I'm doing it. Though I do think I've, I've worked over the years to try and get to being a better listener so that when I give my opinion, it's because it, I've been listening to your voice, both the words being spoken and where you're coming from. And I, so I hope I'm giving insight because I appreciate when people give me insight right. on situations and different perspectives. But yeah, you're right. I Most of the time, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I appreciate all this flattery. It's so wonderful. Yeah. You know, the other thing, and you yeah. we alluded to this a little bit, like you said, that it opens yourself up to connecting mm-hmm. with people. Something that I think is very unique about you is you have a way of connecting with people that creates family. You create relationships at a depth that I have found unique. You know, we don't live in the same city. We don't live. (laughs) We used to work together. We don't work together. We have stayed friends for, you know, more than 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. And it's because of your ability, I think, to connect at a level that is unique. And also to not have these expectations from relationships where you have to talk every day because most people need that constant relationship. Yeah, I I love having that kind of connection with people where you just sort of check in with them every once in a while because then it actually becomes a very joyful experience because you have that moment to like connect again. You know, I think we have such busy lives that we need to be okay accepting people where they're at. And sometimes that means you can get together a couple of times every month. And other times it means it's a couple of times a year that you're just touching base with somebody. And if you can have that kind of approach of, I can understand that this is what you can give right now. And sometimes it's, that's all I can give right now. Yeah, but most will take that personally, but you never take it that way. You take it as, oh, you must be yeah. having this interesting part of your life or a difficult challenge in your life. <laughs> and so whenever we connect, it's like you said, it is a joyous experience. Oh, it's so funny because I, you know, as you said with the comment before, like, I don't even really realize that that's how I'm operating because I just, I appreciate the friendships that I have. And I love that there are so many different types of people in the world and each friendship sort of fulfills a different need for my life. 
And we don't have to be everything to everybody. It's okay to to have that friend that you go to when you're feeling really down, who you know is always going to lift you up, or the friend who's really thoughtful for when you're struggling with the situation. And if you can just appreciate that unique gift or that unique connection, it's worth maintaining those and coming back to those relationships over the years. It is one of your special gifts. And so I, I think you're going to bring that to people. I hope so. Yeah. You know, one thing we haven't talked about yet, Terry, is you're somewhat new to your role. You've had a, a kind of an interesting career path. Do you want to share with people how you kind of ended up where you're at right now? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So currently, I'm the director of admissions at Edgewood High School. I've only been here for two months at this point, though I'm actually connected to the school um, literally since I was born because my dad worked here. <laughs> uh, and I went here as a, a student myself in high school. So I have a deep connection to Edgewood. I went to school up in La Crosse and ended up going into education and taught choir and theater for three years and just realized the classroom part of it wasn't what I loved the most about music and administration. And so an opportunity arrived from a nonprofit music association. And it just seemed like a great way to still fulfill that arts part of my life that I wanted, but also try the administration side. And so I worked at the Wisconsin School Music Association for three years. And that is where I met Rachel. And you were going through becoming a new mom at that time. And like we started walking after work. And I think that's really when we yeah. sort of cemented this relationship. But then you left. And so I just couldn't stay at WSMA anymore. Right. I, um, I, I was definitely the draw for sure. I actually had the opportunity to go up to the Widener Center for the Performing Arts up in Green Bay as their event manager. I had loved working in the theater when I was in college. And so when this opportunity arose, I just had to jump for it. Loved my time up there. Loved living in the city of Green Bay. And I was closer to you. So we were able to actually see <laughs> each other in person a few times. But after five and a half years, WSMA came calling asking me to come back in a director position. When I left the first time, I was not leaving the organization. I was leaving the position. Yeah. The position just, I was ready for growth and there was no place for me to go at the time within the organization. So when they came calling and it was an upper level position, it was new responsibilities. It was definitely climbing the ladder for me. I was so excited to go back and I, I so believe in the core of what they do. So for 16 and a half years, at first I was program director and then I became the director of technology services. It was a chance to make an, a big impact for a nonprofit organization that supports music in our schools. But after 16 and a half years, I was just ready to do something different. I, I wanted a new challenge in my life. And I happened to see on Facebook that Edgewood had this position opening of director of admissions. And it just sort of felt like kismet where it combines my education background, my event management background, and my administration background. And then the history of my family here at Edgewood, like it just felt like it was meant to be. And so I took a chance and had the courage to put in an application and was offered the job. I think, again, this is a perfect role where you can use that ability to connect with people. It's really been a neat path, I think. Yeah, definitely unique since I didn't have sort of just one specific job that just was a through line. It was a little bit more weaving back and forth. Right. But there's excitement in that though. And there's new challenges and new learning and new things to try. And I'm so thrilled to be here. And it's just been really exciting. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I just want to thank you. I've always loved, like I said, your confidence paired with your ability to somehow be 
completely humble and have this desire to grow and learn and just really evolve. And I think so many women are going to connect with your story and the challenges you've had. And I'm just so excited that you're willing to lend your voice and your perspective to this podcast. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for asking me to be part of it. Great example of an honorary sister in my life. Absolutely. Now, I would love to introduce you to my sister, Beth. Hello, I'm Beth Karpinski. I'm the owner of Create Business Coaching and Consulting. And I also happen to be Rachel's youngest and I think favorite sister. (laughs) I look up to you in every way, Beth. (laughs) Beth is a couple inches taller than me. Um, (laughs) So Beth brings such a wealth of experience to share with our listeners. She has a degree in psychology with additional education in both finance and also health and wellness and nutrition. Um, She's an author and a coach with a special interest in working with women entrepreneurs. Tell me a little bit about your different coaching specialties. Yeah, you bet. I've had a lot of different opportunities to coach over my career. I started out coaching parents on how to really create behavior styles and just like a, a loving, nurturing atmosphere and how to discipline in those in those arenas. I went on then to really focus more on holistic health and wellness. And then during that time was actually hired to coach a group of financial advisors, which I did that for a few years before I actually became a financial advisor myself. And then um, once I did that, I actually created a coaching program within my practice to help women, in particular women in leadership positions and women going through divorce with their financial situations. And then I have now really evolved more into uh, coaching women entrepreneurs and small business owners. Yeah, I love the way that you have dedicated your professional expertise to supporting and encouraging and collaborating with women, Beth. Why don't you tell me a little bit also about your family life? I know that that's such an important piece of your life. It is. Yes. I have three kids, two in college and one in high school and a, a 11-year-old puppy who is, I think, the best listener of them all. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I've been divorced now for seven years and was married to my ex-husband for 17 years. And we continue to, I think, do a really, really good job of co-parenting our kids together. But that really helped me to want to help women kind of redesign and reimagine their financial lives as they were going through some of those similar situations. So that's kind of how I got into that aspect of financial advising women and creating that coaching program. I'm currently engaged. And so I will... Soon have uh, two more kids, <laughs> uh, a stepson and a stepdaughter, and my wonderful fiance is Rob. And so, yeah, a lot of exciting things going on in life. Yeah, I I just think that you have touched on so many areas in your own life, but also the stories that you have gotten from other people, and just the experiences that people share with you that you've had the honor to deal with. So I just think I'm really excited about the varied expertise, just the life experiences that you're going to bring to us and the perspectives that you can share. So um, Beth, 
how can people learn more about you and your work and your coaching business and things like that? Sure. Well, as I said, I'm the owner of Create Business Coaching and Consulting. My website is createbcc.com. Also on Facebook and on LinkedIn, if you're interested. But what I'm currently really focused on and specializing in is working with women small business owners. It's really important to me. I, I, this, I've now owned three businesses in my life, and I understand what it is like for women small business owners and entrepreneurs to really be able to achieve time and financial freedom. And so that is really where I'm focused in now. And I like to say that I like to really hone in on the magical and the practical. Um, I'm a big (laughs) believer in mindset and a big believer in manifesting the life that we want to create for ourselves. But I also am a big believer in strategic, step-by-step, practical, here's how you do it kind of advice. So that's really what I specialize in is kind of marrying those two worlds and really focusing on, like I said, the magical and the practical, the mindset and the strategic. I love that. I love that. So create bcc.com. Well, welcome, Beth. I'm excited for the listeners to get to know you better. Thank you. All right. Let's welcome Kirsten. Hi, I'm Kirsten Hoffensberger. I'm an author, illustrator, and licensed hairdresser for 13 years. I've owned my own small business salon for almost 10 years, and I'm excited to be one of the co-hosts. Yay! Kirsten is the youngest of our group uh, by about 20 years, actually. So she's going to have to hold the responsibility for keeping us all hip and trendy. Uh, It's, you know, a big job. And I actually know Kirsten through her hairdressing business and just have blossomed into friends uh, outside of that as well. So why don't we start, Kirsten, by having you tell me just a little bit about your family? Yeah, so I am married with three children. So I have two that are still living. My daughter's four, my son is three, and I've been married for almost nine years to my high school sweetheart. You talk about you have three children, two living, that really leads us into the way that you became an author and how you have not shied away from talking about that aspect of your life and really helped try to support other people going through that. So let's talk about that book. And and I think it reveals a lot more about you and your life experience experiences and the way that you approach, I don't know, helping others in in your world, I guess. My first book is Rearranged. It's a free verse poetry collection on just vulnerable parts of my journey with life in mental health, in miscarriage. I went through infertility and then kind of tying my whole life in after that, coexisting with all dynamics of emotions and finding joy and healing after becoming a parent. It's one of those things that are hard to write about. But once I started writing about it, I found a lot of healing through doing so. Yeah, this is certainly an area that you and I have connected over and talked a lot about as you were going through it, as I have also gone through that. And we actually did an episode with you on this topic. I think it was episode number 38 and came out back in April of 2022. It was a great episode. It was called Miscarriage and Motherhood. And I think it still is maybe one of our most listened to. So there's 
a lot of people who really connected with that. I thought it was a beautiful book in so many ways, but I thought it was really neat how you shared pretty openly and authentically about the feelings aspect behind it and how that impacted mental health, how it really made you make decisions about how you want to parent moving forward. And just was really, really beautiful book. You should check it out. Thank you, Rachel. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of led to your next book, actually. I think it was meant to be a one-off. And then you're like, I have more to say. (laughs) So that first book led you to write a children's book next. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So after we arranged something that I always wanted to do to help families maybe educate other children about loss. And so I decided to make a children's book to kind of have an option to open that conversation up and hopefully bring, I I like to say a lighter side kind of to the situation because I have the entire book feeling very hopeful and joyous. I have um, just the children playing up in heaven and, you know, little signs that they show their families back on earth. And that one I, I wrote and illustrated. So that was something that brought me a direct connection to my son that I lost. And also just in my own personal life allowed me to teach my own children about it. Just a more concrete idea of what was going on after baby loss. So that one I'm pretty proud of too. (laughs) Yeah. And that one actually, both of those books have kind of led you to some volunteer work and some other interests and passions outside of your salon, outside of your authorship. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm actually part of a support group for people who have lost babies. And that's something that we meet once a month. We try to put together opportunities for offering hope to families that are going through it, hope and healing. So that's been a really big part of my life. I started it during like the COVID years, right? And then my first book kind of came out during and then the other children's books. So I take a lot of pride in being able to help people go through that and not feel alone. Yeah, it's an amazing connection because you really do a good job of remembering celebrating that loss is not over. Yes. That baby is still a part of you and your life and your kids know his name. I just think it's such a beautiful story. And the book itself is just simply beautiful. It's one of those things I think where it gave you an outlet for a creative side that you had kind of lost touch with for a little bit and gave you a way to explore that more, um, to play around with illustration. And it's just stunning. I honestly, it kind of almost (laughs) makes me emotional when I look at it. It's so beautiful. You are still my favorite reaction from when I showed you the beginnings of that book, right? I remember you you just started like tearing up and you're like, I don't know what's happening. Like, it's so pretty. (laughs) It is. It was so pretty. And it just captured the, the mood and the I don't know. It was, it's really, it's really beautiful. So, but that kind of leads, you have another book that is set to come out in November of 2023. Yep. And it really, I think, almost played more off of the illustration portion of your creative side. Tell me a little bit about the new book. So my path for authorship is tackling kind of difficult or personal topics for me. So I have a grandmother with dementia and I really wanted to capture a book on a relationship between a grandchild and a grandmother, um, whether that be a great grandmother or a grandmother or whatever title they give that person in their life. So it's the same book. And then I've swapped the wording out for the title of who's in the book. So I have one that's Gigi's love. I have one that's grandma's love. Another one is Mimi's love, and then I have Nana's love. So I tried to kind of pick the four grandmother roles in my life between my children and the important women in their life. One of the best parts about this book is I capture all of the silly things that grandmothers do with their grandchildren, like spoiling. (laughs) 
big topic for that. Um, but also just the nurturing aspects of it and how regardless of what place in their life they're in, their love kind of grows with them. And just the importance of that bond and kind of keeping it going, you know, active visiting with them and the importance of bringing that love back to them as time goes on. And then I kind of left it open-ended at the end. I have a picture of a cardinal that I drew and then I have just like a serene sunset. So it's whenever the grandmother isn't with them that they can still feel their love. And that's not necessarily that the person has passed away. You know, my grandmother right now is still alive, but just down the road, if ever she's not, or if you don't live by each other, you know, I kind of wanted to keep it just very universal. So that one, yeah, I did every picture is a different animal relationship. And then on the cover, I drew actually my grandma's horse from when she was growing up. She was having a lucid moment one day when I was talking to her and she was describing her pet horse when she was a little girl. And so I tried to draw her gray horse on the front. So that's why I have horses on the cover. I'm not sure I have ever met someone who is so committed to maintaining and appreciating relationships with the older adults in your life. I mean, you just understand the value that people bring and that age doesn't take that away. It almost enhances it. You have really kind of opened my eyes to being more, I don't know, receptive to what those relationships can offer in both directions. It's not that you are the one that's only giving. It's You get so much out of those relationships. So it's really been a, a neat thing I have seen from you over the years. And this book Thank is such right. a good oh. fit for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for it to come out. One of the things that really stands out about you in every aspect, but it really stands out if somebody has met you, they know about your desire to just bring more joy into the world and to appreciate the joy in your own life rather than focusing on the frustrations or the challenges that you've faced. It seems equally as important to you to find joy and to spread joy, to help others find their joy. A great example of this is in your salon. You have a wall that you painted (laughs) and created, and it sort of celebrates your clients' achievements. It encourages acts of kindness. It's such a unique place, and it kind of pushes people outside their comfort zone (laughs) a little bit sometimes. Oh, yeah. Why don't you tell me about this wall of happiness or joy or whatever you call it? Okay, so it's my... my happiness walls. It actually started 2021. I'm trying to think when I got it. It was like a year into you know the pandemic and I was in a funk. Everyone in my world that was coming into my chair was in a funk. And I, I got to a place where I thought, you know what? Enough is enough. We're doing something happy to kind of trickle back into the world right now. Everyone's very you know out of sorts. Everything was different. And so I stuck like a little plastered on chalkboard wallpaper and started illustrating on there. I really liked the idea of paying it forward. So for me, you know, my love language is like kind words, words of affirmation to people. And so I tried to have where I push people past their comfort zone a little bit, you know, with doing something kind or writing someone a special note that dug a little deeper than just have a good day, you know, which a lot of my clients would roll their eyes because my husband's a teacher. And so they'd go, you know, you're giving us homework. I'm like, of course I am. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But then if I found out that they would actually do it, I would sometimes be getting messages where they'd say, oh my gosh, so-and-so was crying after they received that just happy tears. They felt so loved or, you know, things like that. And so I wanted to bring positivity back to people's world. You know, I put a little happiness quote that I find on the internet or things going on in the community that are really joyous or ways that people can connect for things. And it's really been a good motivational piece for myself even because I have to find the happy things I'm going to stick on there. So it's good for if I'm in a funk. Yeah. It's good for other people who are coming in because who are we if we're not challenging people once in a while, right? And I don't think there's any harm from challenging someone to find a little bit of a happier outlook on things. It's always something that can be beneficial or life-changing out of a terrible thing, right? But my happiness while just makes people do homework and be nicer. Honestly, Kirsten, I've always been so impressed by your creativity 
your willingness to just figure things out, forge a path forward toward your goals. And I think your perspective, your different life experiences, your personality will just inspire others to try new things while also helping others along the way of trying those new things. So I think you you really embody our philosophy at the Sisterhood of Success. I'm so grateful that you're joining our conversation. Thank you. I'm so excited to be part of it. Next, I want you to meet my sister, Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie Knutson, and I'm the owner of Learning Arts in Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm one of the original group of sisters, and I'm probably Rachel's least favorite because <laughs> I took the pleasure of torturing her the most. I'm about four years older, so it was I, I think it was my appointed job. You you were excellent at that job. <laughs> you were gifted. Jackie has led such an interesting and unique life so far. You took a non-traditional path to college, working as a professional live-in nanny for some kind of famous athletes before graduating from college after you married and had your first child. Now you're a business owner. Well, I originally went to school right out of high school. I originally went for art and design and I went for about two years and I ended up having a summer internship at a printing company in the graphics department. Mm -hmm. Well, they kept making it easy for me to stay. And so three and a half years later, (laughs) um, I'm still there. And um, at that point, I had met my husband and we decided he lived in, in Chicago and I lived in Wisconsin. So I thought, well, if we were really serious about this, we should should um I should move closer. Maybe live in the same yeah, general like, area. Yeah, area code. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Um, And so I decided, well, I was going to move closer to Chicago just for the experience. And he was very well established in his job. But what I was doing, it didn't transfer well there. And I didn't want to live with him. And I didn't know anybody. So his mom said, hey, why don't you become a nanny? You can like live in a really nice neighborhood and you love kids. And so I thought, well, just to get down there, that's what I would do. And I, I, I worked as a nanny for quite a few years there. And I actually went to go back to school. And I have to admit, I was uh, quite afraid to go back to school. Once you take a break, it's hard to go back. Um, But at that point, I felt like I had known myself a little bit more and just realized how much I loved rehab. And so I originally started back with physical therapy. And as I, you know, went through that progress, and I volunteered at a lot of hospitals, I ended up in the occupational therapy area. And so once I finished that, I actually worked in rehab, inpatient and outpatient Mm -hmm. Had. Um, and we were married by that time and then decided to job share with actually someone um, I knew. We job shared for a long time, especially when we were both having little kids. And then I kind of just stopped and I did the full-time mom thing because it was just really too hard. My husband traveled constantly. And when when you work in rehab, your hours are not set. It just was one of those things. I always loved what I did. I actually, my area was brain injury, which I was Mm -hmm. fascinated with, but did tons of hips and knees and deconditioning and things like that, neurological things, but you for sure are a natural born caretaker. I mean, I I think everyone would say that you love to make other people feel better. And that's just (laughs) such a such a thing. You talked about Kevin traveling a lot and he traveled a lot when people say their husband travels or their spouse travels. I don't know if they can fully understand this, but he would be gone not just sometimes weeks, sometimes month or more, you know, Mm -hmm. just because he traveled the world. Mm -hmm. His job actually led you on another kind of what I consider a great adventure. Talk about your family, your kids, and then living abroad. 
you moved around the world. And I think that's a really interesting life experience that most people don't get. No, that is true. My husband works in polymer chemistry. And so shipping those types of things is very expensive. So you start building plants around the world so (laughs) that you have it in that region. And so he was just moving up in the company and I was staying at home full time at that point. And we had three kids. Uh, Thankfully, I've always wanted to be a mom. That's my best job I've ever had. So right now, um, my kids are 23, 19 and 18. And, you know, I'm I would say that he was always gone. Like he would only be home like three days out of a month at some points and they weren't consecutive. Yeah. And so like, you know, that's kind of the travel that he used to do. And so when he had an opportunity, he could run a company over in China through the company that he was, it was that division. He said, Hey, we have a three-year contract. Are you interested? And I thought, well, if I get to see you more, (laughs) Mm -hmm. then that would be a great opportunity. And so when my daughter was eight and my son was four and my youngest daughter was three, we picked up when we moved to China for three years. Kevin and I have been married coming up next month, 31 years. So wow. we're still together after that experience. Yeah. Which is nice. You survived it. Yes. Um, I think you guys thrived that experience. I tease about survived it, but there were certainly things that were very difficult. But I don't know. I feel like there were a lot of good takeaways as well. And one of the things I think is just brilliant is you had to learn, you and the family, like all everyone had to at least take lessons in learning the language. And so you all have at least the ability to say or hear or understand, you know, some Mandarin Chinese, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We lived in Nanjing, which is considered a second tier city, which means it's population wise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but majority of the culture, the population, um, did not know English. And so being conversational in Mandarin was definitely something that we needed if you wanted to shop or get anywhere or that type of thing. The kids luckily went to school, though, in an English speaking school. It was an international mm-hmm. school, but daily they had Mandarin classes. So. Sure. I also think it's really interesting that you lived in a neighborhood, what you call an expat neighborhood that was filled with people from around the world. Everyone was foreign to to living in China, right? And that, even that, getting to meet people from all over was such a neat experience. Oh, definitely. And to be honest, there wasn't a big U.S. population there. Like there was a lot of Korean, there was a significant amount of Australian and German people just because of the industries that Mm -hmm were there. And so if you knew someone from the US, like you guys were neighbors. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you treated those people like neighbors, but it was just really fun to get to just meet and and um, be around and, and have those friendships with the other their nationalities. Yeah, I just think that's such an amazing, such a thing that I think must have shaped you and your family in such unique ways. But when you returned to the United States after that, I always thought it was kind of neat. Kevin was pretty adamant about the fact that he wanted you to be able to pursue your passions and your interests that you had, you know, given up a lot of things to let him do his path. And you kind of returned to your occupational therapy roots and joined the Learning RX franchise. How long have you been doing that? You now own the Learning RX in Appleton. Yes, and I'm starting my 10th year of ownership. Um, strangely enough, though, when my youngest, who is 18, was just six weeks old, um, our sister Jody yeah. owned the Learning RX at that time. I became a trainer for her. 
Right. And You've so been I doing this for her. so long. Mm-hmm. So on and off for about 18 years, or I've been affiliated with the company. I love it because, um, like I said, my background primarily was brain injury. And there was nothing that I was doing in a hospital that was as comprehensive as what this program is. And so I really fell in love with the program. At the time we moved back to Appleton, we were primarily focused on just reconnecting with family. Being gone in China for three years didn't give us a lot of opportunity to connect, even on holidays. We didn't come home very often. And so that was our reason for moving back to Appleton after we finished our stint in China. So what happened was we just decided that we were going to be a little bit more open to both having careers at that point. He had left his company. And so we got here and Jody and Ed said, hey, we're moving to Hawaii. Would you like to buy our business? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Since we had nothing else going on, right? Yeah. Um, we tried not to take it personally that we had just moved back here and they were moving away. <laughs> hey, we were very happy to have you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it just seemed like a good fit. So we kind of just jumped in, I would say a little bit blindly because um, I had never owned a business before and he had always worked for big companies, but they all had HR department. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he had a very, a very specific role. Right. Um, yeah. So. I think that's kind of what entrepreneurship is though, is you have to jump in. If you knew everything that was involved, probably nobody would do it. Amen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but anyway, well, Jackie, I have always admired your sense of adventure and you're, you're just bravery and stepping outside your comfort zone to challenge yourself and grow and evolve and go with the flow, not worry about what's going to come like that, you know, you can handle it with that confidence. So you're someone who just really lives life. And I think our listeners are going to enjoy your stories and your perspective and just hearing about the challenges and the joys of living to the beat of your own drum. I really appreciate you doing this with me. And thank you so much for being one of our new co-hosts. I'm super excited about this. And thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, that is it. Thank you for going on this journey with us. And we look forward to sharing things as we change and grow and bloom ourselves. And always remember, you get to decide what success means to you. Define it, plan for it, create it, and enjoy it.